So like I said, um, I'm not good at limit. <laughs> uh, I, I am one of those people that tries to avoid pain um, at all costs. And so um, working through this psalm, and, I, and I've worked through limit psalms before, uh, but this one in particular um, was, was a challenge for me. Um, but really, when we dive into the psalm, when we dive into um, just thinking about hard times, it's not hard to see hard times. Uh, hard times are, are usually the biggest things in our face. When things are really good, things are just really good and we get to exist. But when things are hard, they're right in front of you. They're, they're the thing that crowds your mind the most. Whether you're experiencing hardship or our country is experiencing hard, hardship or someone around you is experiencing hardship, that's usually the biggest thing that's happening is there's always something wrong. If, if there's something wrong, it's very clear that there is something wrong, something that we need to be sad about, something that we need to lament. And so processing through this psalm, I think is actually going to be a little bit easier and more, and we're going to be able to relate to David and relate to God's words here more than, we, than you expect. Um, because I, I suspect, as, as other Americans, that a lot of you aren't great at processing through hard things either. That, like, in America, we just like to put something else right in front of us when we're experiencing hardship. If... if, if a girlfriend breaks up with you, if um, your, your kid cusses you out, if, uh, if, if a loved one dies, if some, anything bad happens, we like to go put something else right in front of our face. The TV, a beer, a, a hobby, one of, your, one of your things that you like to do. So this morning, I just want to challenge you to not do that. <laughs> As we talk about this hard stuff, I want to challenge you to not try and put this facade of, of everything's all right up, because sometimes things aren't all right, and that's okay. Sometimes life sucks. And even more clearly, <laughs> the world always sucks. There's always something to see in the news that is, is bad, that is worthy of crying over, that is worthy of being frustrated over, always. I don't think there's ever been a time in the history of our country that there hasn't been something to be scared of, something to be sad about, something to be angry about, something to be frustrated about. And so it's not hard to see that there are hard things in this world, that we experience hard things. And so come with me to Psalm 22, um, with your heart prepared to dive into what that looks like and how God actually has purpose in that, how God is, is redeeming that, how God has a plan he, uh, in the bad stuff that happens to us. He it has a plan to, to, re- to help that for renewal in you, for renewal in the world. And so God hears you, God delivers you. Um, he will deliver you if you are currently in something that is painful. And this morning I want to jump into here and see how David leads us um, to kind of converge our horizontal, like looking around and seeing what happens in our vertical um, life where we speak to God. He wants to converge those um, in this psalm. And so I am going to read the psalm um, straight out of my Bible, um, and I want to encourage you all to pull your Bible out, whether it be a paper acoustic Bible or an electronic Bible, uh, phone Bible, um, and just follow along with me. I think there's something um, a, little more, a little powerful about having the words right in front of your face. Um, and I uh, just really want to experience this all with you this morning. So follow along with me as I read um, the entirety of Psalm 22. <clears throat> my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer By night, yet I have no rest. But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. 
But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him, since he takes pleasure in him. But it was you who brought me out of the womb, making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You've been my God from my mother's womb. Don't be far from me because distress is near and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong ones of Bashan encircle me. They open their mouths against me. Lions mauling and roaring. I am poured out like water and all my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones, people look at and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. But you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength come quickly to help me. Rescue my life from the sword, my only life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen. You answered me. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. For he has not despised or abhorred the torment of the oppressed. He did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. I will give praise in the assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. The humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him, even the one who cannot preserve his life. Their descendants will serve him. The next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what he has done. So clearly, David is going through a hard time. The very first words are, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me alone? And we read this, and you probably recognize it if you've read the Gospels. This is exactly what Jesus said from the cross, and we will get to that. But first, I want to dive into David's experience with God, to dive into David's hurt, because we can relate to this. Sometimes we see that David is suffering, and sometimes we feel the same thing. God, why have you left me? Why have you left me all alone? Why are you so far from my deliverance? Why, why, I can't even see the, an end to this. And I don't see you, more importantly. You can't hear my groaning. This word for groaning in the, in, in the scripture is the same word that is translated to roaring like a lion. God, you can't hear my loud roars, my loud cries. Like so. So David is suffering and doesn't know how or why. And often I, I see myself in this. I see any time I go through some kind, of, some kind of suffering, it feels like God has totally left. God, God has abandoned me all by myself to figure it out on my own. Uh, no light at the end of the tunnel. And this reminds us that God doesn't generally answer our prayers how or when we want. This tempts us to believe that God is absent, which I think is, is, the, is the ultimate uh, uh, downfall, the ultimate uh, worry for me, the ultimate scare of us going through hardship is thinking that God is gone. Think that God has totally left us by ourselves. It's probably the most dangerous thing in suffering. But consider what David says next. And I forgot to put it up on the screen last time, but he's next. 
He says, but you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in you, rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. So David goes right from saying, God, you, you, you finished with me. You're done with me. You left me, to reminding himself, to praying that God is there that he is holy, that he's enthroned on the praise of Israel, that he is the one to be praised, that he is good and different than the rest of the world. This but is so important. We have to, we have to rest on this but in our, in our suffering. It, it represents something critical in our suffering, that no matter how he feels, he feels that God has left him, that God has totally abandoned him. No matter how he feels in a certain moment, the reality is that God is a God of rescue, a God that can be praised, a God that can be trusted, a God that will set you free, a God that will not let you be disgraced. He reminds himself of the truth of that. Just because we feel something in a certain moment doesn't change the truth of who God is. And so we, we, this but is, is important to us. Or in your transition, it might say, yeah, that might be a more constructive thing to say is yet because I need to stop saying but on stage. But this yet is important. It's critical in our suffering to remind ourselves that who God is is not what we see right in front of our face that we're experiencing in our horizontal experience. But we must change to a vertical, change our experience to a vertical one and, and rehearse who God is, who God has been in history. And so the first way that we can model David from the psalm in our suffering is, is in declaring the yet and not just focusing on the circumstances that are right here, but rehearsing to us what God has done in history. And, and we can rehearse. I, I, I didn't, I didn't the, the only things that I will have on the screen today is Scripture intentionally because I want to connect with Scripture today. So mainly I'm imploring you to rehearse the truth of who God is in Scripture. But you can even look back in history and see the cool things that God has done. Just one example is from World, uh, from world War I and World War II, the, the U.S. saw a very, very steep decline of, of men in the world. There was a very um, high amount of women, low amount of men. And over history, that somehow mysteriously got back to even. God somehow mysteriously it evened back out to, to where God could still um, see his people, see the people grow and see people, and there's not going to be a lack of, of women who, who can't find someone to love them, and there, can't, there won't be a lack of, of, of babies in the world. God, God grew that. He didn't, it didn't start keep moving like this. God leveled it back out, which I think is pretty cool. But more importantly, I think that we should reflect on the, the, the truths of God from Scripture. This scripture that is that is we know is true. The scripture that we know is we can rest on, and that we can see that God has worked in, and more most importantly, our history as Christians, as people who follow God. And so, my first point this morning—I don't really have many points—but is that we 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 need to rest on the yet. That when we go through our suffering, yet God, but God is good. He is worthy of being praised. He is trustworthy. He's a rescuer. And he's listening to your crying. And so he goes on. But I am a worm and not a man. The lowest of the low, scorned by mankind and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. He's, he's, he's a source of their mocking. God leaving, his, his feeling of God leaving him alone is a source of David's, his, the people around him mocking him. You praise this God, 
Well, let him save you. You praise this God, he's got you then, he she should probably, he should get you. And so he transitions from abandonment from God to being mocked by his fellow Israelites, being mocked by his brothers and sisters as a sort of hypocrite. Not even just like you're a loser, but your God's a loser. And your life sucks because of the God that you serve. Scorned, despised, mocked, labeled as a fake, a disappointment. David knew this kind of pain in his life. If we read his, his life in the Bible for years, he was separated from his family. His wife is given to another man. He fell into deep life of sin. David knew darkness. David knew hurt. And it wouldn't be surprising here if he or anyone would just want to give up. The, 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 his source of power, his source of comfort, his source, source of strength has given up on him and has caused him to be mocked, caused him to be embarrassed among the people that David is ruling, that he's leading. But again, he looks up. In verses 9 and 10, it says, It was you who brought me out of the womb, making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. You are my God. From being scorned and mocked for him, being loyal to God, to rehearsing that God has been a personal God to him. God delivered him from his mother's womb. God, God birthed him. God, like, he, he has been a personal God to David. He, he, so he goes from reflecting on the, God's faithfulness in history to God's faithfulness to himself. Do you believe this to be true for you, that, that God has been a personal God to you, that God has loved you, that God created you, that you are beautifully, wonderfully made, as, as Scripture says? Here's some examples. Psalm 63, 3, my lips praise you because your faithful love is better than life itself. John 13, I give you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. Psalm 139, 13, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God created you. Like, like exactly how you are right now, God made you that way. Every detail on your face, everything about your personality, everything about you, God created it. God made you for a purpose, and purposely in his image. So something about you, something about you embodies or, or reflects who God is to this world. And if we believe that God is the most beautiful thing, then everybody here has one of the most beautiful things resting in them, is the image of God. You have been, have been made in the image of God, and God has been a personal God to you. He's loved you. And so, if we don't cling to that truth that God is personal with, with us, that God hears us, that he knit us from our in most inward parts and that he saves us personally, like that God has been personal to you. He saved us communally and he's also saved us personally. He saved Doug. He saved David. He saved Priscilla. Like he saved you personally. If we don't rehearse that, we're going to miss out on a large part of what God wants us to experience in our pain and outside of our pain is that God has been personal to you. And so rehearse God's past faithfulness to you. That God, brought, God did bring you out of something. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, he, he's brought you out of it. He's brought you out of a, of a life of sin. He's brought you out of a life of, of, of that, will, that will end in suffering. So rehearse God's past faithfulness to yourself. And then he goes horizontal again. And I'm not going to read every, every part of it because it's, it's a longer part, but basically... He's being killed. Not only is he, is he, does he feel alone, not only does he feel like, like, a, like a loser among his people, but 
he goes so as far to say that I am dying. You lay me down in the dust of death. Somewhere in there. Like, God, you are killing me. He's kind of turning the blame on God. Dogs are surrounding me. Bulls are going are to trample over me. Lions are going to eat me. The lowest of low. This is, we can see here that David's just not having a bad day. And if I, were to, if I were to make a guess, this is something that's strung out over a long time. He went through a hard time. My God, you've abandoned me. He cried out to him, okay, I should be good. No, God, this still sucks. God, you're good. I'm, I'm still, I'm dying, God. Come to my help. And he goes from horizontal. He's horizontal. He's looking at the, the circumstances around him. And, and give you a little side note, nothing in David's life ever shows that he was actually surrounded by dogs, that he was going to be eaten by a lion. But this is poetry. This is figurative language. A lot of times the Bible is making a truthful statement, not a scientific statement. He's, he's, he's trying to communicate the truth of the human experience here. I'm dying, God, but you are my help. But you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength, come quickly to me. Rescue my life from the sword. Rescue me from death. My only life from the power of these dogs, from the lion's mouth, from the oxen. You are my help. And the result of, of his, his pattern, the result of his constant turning to God amidst his suffering is renewed prayers. His prayers are renewed. It, at the end of 21, 21b says, you answered me. And so again, I want to say, I don't think this happened all in one day. I don't think that, that and he, maybe he, read, he wrote it all in one day, but this experience wasn't a one-day experience. Like often when we're hurt, it doesn't just go away. I, I don't know that I've ever, ever prayed and God instantly took something from me. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I know God can do miracles. But often, and most often, Hurt takes a bit. Like being sad takes a little bit. And turning to God constantly is what we ought to do. Not downplaying our experience. David went into great detail about his experience. And he says more in the first half of this psalm about his experience than God. And so we, we ought not to downplay what's happening in our life, but we ought to turn to God out of practice. Like, like constant Reflect on what's happening, cry out to God, and turn to him and rehearse his goodness to you, his goodness that, uh, of who he is. I will praise you. And then it goes through the rest of the psalm. And I'm thinking we're probably pretty good at this part. Like, actually, we're, we're pretty good at complaining as, as just people. Like, we're pretty good at seeing what's wrong. Like I said at the beginning, it's pretty easy to see what's right in front of your face. It's pretty easy to, to know the bad thing that's always here. But what really takes the practice, what really takes, takes, takes our, our push in here is to turn to God because he delivers you. He has delivered you. He will deliver you if you're going through something right now. So we must cry out. God wants to hear your anger. He wants to hear frustration. He wants to hear sadness. Often, I, I, so I think of the way I study the Bible, the way I pr- pray through the Bible, um, often it's, it's an acronym that is um, words, worship, own what the truth says, repent from how you've not been doing this, do what the truth says, and share it, or acts, which is adoration, so adore, like how do I worship God here, how do I adore him, confess how I've been doing this wrong, how do I give thanks to this, and how do I, who do I share this with? And I think so often we leave out an L. We leave out the lament. 
I think, I think that we want, we, because of our, our so happy-go-lucky um, desire for life, like we obviously want to experience joy and be joyful, but there are many things in this world, that if, if something's not going on in your life, that you could turn and lament in someone else's life. Like this isn't just something that we do for ourselves. We don't just lament like for our personal well-being. And we just went through a six-week series of relationships. We know, as we know that God wants us to be empathetic and to groan and to lament and be sad with other people. And so we need, to, we need to work this practice into our lives. We need to work this practice, and I, I need to, I'm not telling you this because I'm really good at this, I'm telling you this because I need to work this practice into my life, is, is lamenting. Is, is lamenting the, the sadness of, of, of the reality of the country we live in right now. The, the fact that there are more mass shootings in this country than there have been days in the year. We, we, we are being called to lament this tragedy it's a horrible thing. No country meets that, that, that num- like even close to that number. And so if there's not something bad going on in your life, it's, like I said, it's not hard to turn on the TV, turn on the news, or read the news and see that there's something that God wants us to lament, that God wants us to cry out in anguish over. And I, I find this so interesting because David didn't even get to experience what this is really speaking of. See, God was speaking through, through David's um, lamenting experience um, both to transform what's happening in his life right now and to deliver him in his life then, but the full deliverance hadn't even come yet. And it's kind of crazy. Like I said, these are the first, the, the first words of the psalm are what, are what Jesus cries from the cross when he's being killed. And it's not a coincidence of that. And the gospel writers and Jesus had this whole psalm in mind. Let me, let me show you. I, I'm not going to put it on the screen, but verse 1 is the, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew 27, verse 40, 46, I do have that one. Okay. About 3 in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? First one. Verse 7 of Psalm 22. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads at me. Verse 39 of Matthew 27, those who passed by derided, derided, derided him, I don't know how to say that, wagging their heads, like mocking him. Verse 8 of the psalm, he trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, mocking him, for he delights in him. Verse 43 of the gospel, he trusts in God, let God deliver him now, if he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God, mocking that he's worshiping God. Verse 16 of the psalm, they pierce my hands and feet. This is the crucifixion, which this is really crazy because the crucifixion hadn't even been thought of by the Romans at the time that David wrote this. Insane. God was working prophetically through David's anguish. Verse 18 of the psalm, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Verse 35 of Matthew 27, and when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. And so this is no coincidence that this psalm is speaking directly about Jesus. This, this psalm is speaking directly about the anguish that Jesus experienced in what he did for us. This, and this is why I think it's so interesting is that Jesus didn't get to experience like the real deliverance, like, but he still gets to speak of, of praising him for, for deliverance. So God can deliver us personally. He delivered David personally from this suffering, but the true deliverance is in what God did for you in, 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 on the cross. And so we get to experience deliverance now, like David experienced deliverance in his life. We get to experience the good things, the blessings of God's healing and the blessings of God's rescue right now, but not the fullness of it. 
I've talked about this before, but just to give you a little reminder that in, in our Christian life in the world right now, we live in something called the now and not yet. And that is the now as in God has ushered in the coming of his kingdom, the renewal of all things back to his original good creation, but it's not yet fully here. So we still experience sin. We still experience the brokenness of the world. We still experience um, people hurting us. We still experience bad days, Mondays. We still experience the bad stuff. All the while, God is renewing us right now. So we are in the now and not yet, so we can experience the kind of deliverance that David did experience, but we get to experience something even better because Jesus has come. Jesus has died for you. And the language of the Bible affirms that the rest of Scripture, uh, that, that this is the work of Christ, that the full deliverance is what God did for you, that the real redemption and deliverance was brought to us by him, by his blood. And a little question about why, why, did, why did Jesus say, my God, why God, why have you abandoned me on the cross? He wasn't just like trying to teach us Scripture because he lived and breathed Scripture. Like, like Jesus, in his lowest of low, in the time that he is dying on the cross, bearing all of our sins, in the lowest of his low, the thing that he cries out isn't an obscenity. <laughs> it's Scripture. It's the lived and breathed scripture that has nourished his life. And so we need to soak in this. So that when we cry out, when we are experiencing the lowest of lows, it's God's words. It's God's word, God's word that is transforming us and God's word that is changing us. And that's what we celebrate in communion. That's what we remember in communion every Sunday. We, we remember that, that, God, that God, he died for you. That he, he wore it all. He, like, like he, didn't just, he didn't just do something good. Like he, he like bore every hurt, bore every sin. This, my God, my God, why you've abandoned me, wasn't just quoting scripture, but it was a real abandonment. David and us, we experience a felt abandonment. We experience, like we, we think that God has left us, but God has never left you. God had to leave Jesus. The penalty of sin is death. The penalty of sin is separation from God. And Jesus bore that for you and for me. I'm a big baseball fan. And, I, and whenever a, 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 a ball comes in that almost hits, you, hits, hits the batter, I always yell, wear it. Because they get, if they wear it, they get to take the first base. They get, they, get, they get a reward. And Jesus wore, Jesus wore all of the pain. Jesus wore your hurt he, he wore the ways that you've been hurt. He wore the, all the, the bad things that are happening in the world. And he wore the ways that you have sinned against him. He wore it all so that we could experience a real deliverance. And so that we could never experience a, my God, why have you in, abandoned me? Why have you left me? God has never left you. And that is only possible by the, the blood-bought salvation that comes from what Jesus Christ did for you and for me and for all of us. So, what Jesus did had to be done. The penalty for the brokenness that we experience and the brokenness that we put into the world had to be warned by God. And so remember that as you take communion this morning, that God wore your sin. He took all of it and he, separated, he was separated from God for you. So hold on to the yet. In your suffering, rehearse how God has been good according to scripture and according to your life experience, how God has delivered you and praise that we never have to experience a real 
separation from God, a real death for what the sin that lives in us really deserves. Let me pray for you. Father God, we, again, we worship you um, for that amazing news, God, that you saved us, that this cry of why have you abandoned me is never something that we actually have to experience, that you delivered us and we never, ever have to experience actual separation from you, God, that you are always with us. And God, when we can't see it, I pray that you remind us to rehearse these things, the ways that you've been good to to us in the past, the ways that you are good in Scripture, to rehearse the truths about how you've loved us, how you've loved the world, and how you are here today, how you are working in us today, and how you provide for us today, and how you deliver us today. God, we love you, and again, we just praise you for, for Jesus Christ, for what he did for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.